0: Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 132 of Voices from the
1: Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara and it's a beautiful saturday that we're recording it's 68 degrees here in florida which is actually cold well cool for us so 60s i haven't heard that from you in a long time <laughs> I got in my car today. I was like, oh, my God, it's beautiful running weather. Beautiful. So That is prime running weather. And I can't believe it's
0: October. I mean, really, right? what happened? It seems like the pandemic just started.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this week, Trump's got the coronavirus. What do you think about that?
0: Interesting turn of events. It's going to right? be
1: really interesting how the next month and a half plays out. Yep. I'm not all that political. I mean, I kind of keep my opinions to myself. <laughs> but when I read that, I was just like, holy that's crazy yeah
0: so how was your fdla recording it was good you guys did the uh, live symposium
1: yes how many people were on do you know how many people viewed it or there was over 60 on the bottom that i saw that were listening which surprised me because it was a Friday which is i think a pretty good turnout so i think uh, people liked the content and they uh, tuned in
0: yeah 60 to watch live that's a good number really I, mean. I thought
1: so yeah it was fun i i enjoyed it and they had it until um i think it was like a half day event and i felt like it flowed really well it was fun how many times did you mention the podcast (laughs) i mentioned nadl a couple of times and mio we talked about mio and a couple of the printers that we have and yeah it was it was cool
0: you didn't answer the question how many times did you mention the (laughs)
1: podcast (laughs) i didn't i'm sorry ah you Failed. There was no room for it. I like couldn't have just, you know,
0: oh, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have you heard? As we mentioned on the podcast <laughs> Well, you know everybody likes our podcast.
0: I'm recording a panel discussion for the National Denturist Association and I've set up my area. Where in the background, you might see a large logo of our podcast, you
1: know, a little... Oh, that's cool. A
0: little product placement for everybody, so...
1: <laughs> that's cool. I should have worn a pin. I actually thought about it. I should have. I'm sorry. I let you down. Next time, I will. I promise.
0: I'm going to get it tattooed on your forehead.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about my butt, but, you know.
0: <laughs> what do people see more of? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: definitely not my butt. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Oh,
0: this is what happens when it's so early on a Saturday. I know. (laughs) Yep. So this week, we visit with one of our favorite groups in the dental industry, the Denturist. We are joined by past podcast guest Patrick Allen, who is also with the president of the National Denturist Association, Eric Hansen. From both sides of the country, Eric and Patrick talk about the early days of getting denturism recognized in Washington State, dealing with COVID in their practices, and their upcoming 100% virtual conference that happens October 16th to the 17th. So join us as we chat with Eric Hansen and Patrick Allen. Dental Services Group is proud to support the National Board of Certification in Dental Technology and proudly promote certification for dental technicians throughout their national network of laboratories.
1: The CDT designation sets certified dental technicians apart from others in the field demonstrating a mastery of knowledge and applied skills in the art of dentistry.
0: Certification also raises the standards of dental health through education in all aspects of dental technology. At Dental Services Group, they believe dentistry plays a significant role in the healthcare ecosystem and is committed to providing solutions to benefit the overall health and well-being of the patient.
1: Visit NBCCERT to learn more about becoming a CDT and DentalServices.net to learn more about how DSG supports the dental community and they support our podcast. So thank you, DSG.
0: Voices from the bench. The interview. All right, we are excited to have a Saturday afternoon conversation with a couple of denturists from both sides of the country. Joining us again is past podcast guests. Patrick Allen from the New England Denture Center in Maine. How are you, sir?
2: Good, good. Actually, it's Central Maine Denture now.
0: Oh, you've
1: changed it. Wow. <laughs> well,
0: that
2: was my old uh, company I started with, with my family's uh, big old company. And then my wife and I, we've, we've done our own smaller, uh, more niche mom and pop shop. So
0: Here at the podcast, we do extensive research. So make sure you change your Facebook page. For sure. <laughs> and joining us from... The Washington state, we have Eric Hansen from Northwest Dental. How are you, sir?
3: Doing good, glad to be on. Thank you and Barb for even having this. This has been really great to listen to.
1: Yeah, well, we we missed you, so we're happy to have you on now. We uh, we're supposed to have you on, I think, a couple months ago, so happy to have you on.
3: Yeah, my technical skills lack, lack a little, so but I got on today. Nice. Yeah, we talked to your daughter, right? Yeah. Melissa? Yeah, uh, Melissa. She's also a
0: denturist. Yeah, that was a great conversation.
1: Yeah,
3: she's a really good denturist. And good talker, better than I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have you guys on because you got a few things in the work. Getting ready to come out with the National Denturist Association National Meeting, which is virtually this year. What days is that? That's October what? 16th and 17th.
1: So, how are you doing that virtually? So, tell me a little bit about that.
3: Um, yeah, I'm the uh, president of the National Venturers Association this year, and what a year to be the president! But anyway, we yeah. we normally have a conference in Las Vegas in October, usually during these dates, and it, it lasts about four days. And with COVID, we realized that this we just weren't going to be able to pull that off. So. We've recently hired partners in association management, and they've kind of got this down. It sounds like, and during these two days, we're going to have a uh, great conference. We've got great speakers, and and it looks like it's really going uh, to—they're going to pull it off really good. And thanks to to Patrick too, because he has uh, really worked hard on this.
1: That's pretty amazing. I love it. I know partners Elvis and I know partners really well. Sure. Uh, They run a really, really great organization. So good for you guys. It's awesome. Yes. So how do you join it? So do you like have to pay a fee and then you get a link to do it virtually?
3: Yeah, there's a fee. Um, I believe it's $149 for members and $249 for Mm non-members. And you go to the NDA website and the information is all there right now but we're still waiting. I believe Tuesday they'll be posting the classes, the exact classes, so um, you'll know exactly who's speaking when, and you can listen to the whole thing or you know parts
0: of it, however you want to do it. Awesome. Will it be recorded, or do you have to watch it during its time?
3: It will be recorded, and there will also be some other classes that won't be during the conference that you'll be able to get some more continuing ed afterwards and then we're looking at probably doing some things like this throughout the year so people get some more continuing ed if they weren't able to attend this. So um, I think it's going to be maybe a blessing in disguise that we can do some different things throughout the year and not
1: just have the one conference. How many continuing education credits that you guys need per year?
3: Each state varies. Washington, it's 15. Wow. And I don't recall what Oregon or Idaho is. And
1: then they check it every two years, so they they want you to have thirty. Wow, that's a lot. How do you guys know each other, Patrick?
2: We're uh, both on the uh, the national board. We've we've been working together for gosh, probably about six years now, trying to. Organize uh, continuing education and conferences, and you know all the the projects that go on behind the scenes, like you know. Yeah. And it's going back to uh, Bennett's team. It's been a little bit of a work in progress. Uh, we had our executive director, Sean Murray's. She's done a lot for us, but was was ready to kind of hang up the gloves and, and retire. And uh, we've talked about working with uh, with Bennett's Group, and this was like the the perfect time. For it, and then I guess we're also finding out, you know, the value of uh, of what they can do, yeah. because I don't know that we could have put yeah. together this conference and, and and with this type of quality format, and you know, they've they've worked to put together a virtual vendor room, uh, so you know, a lot of the vendors have really jumped on board much better than than we could have even anticipated. So you know, we're really looking forward to seeing, you know, where this goes. And like Eric said, this is going to allow not only for us to have, uh, you know, other events, other options, but I hear from a lot of folks that we want to get in touch with outside of denturism. A lot of our dental technician friends who say, man, I'd love to go to Vegas, but I just, I just can't take half a week off and fly out to Vegas for this. Now you're going to be able to, uh, you know, access a lot of this uh, content right from your uh right from the comfort of your, your home. So awesome. we're really looking forward. We're really hoping that, you know, we'll have a lot more accessibility and then some of the the bonus content that's going to be coming out even after the fact. So it's, it's kind of a nice thing. You know, if you... If you can log in, not only do you get the Friday and Saturday content, you'll be able to go back and rewatch and re-access stuff, and then we're going to be releasing other content here even through the end of the year.
1: That's great. I'd like to see that. I haven't seen a virtual meeting
0: yet. Are you guys gearing this a little bit more towards introducing denturism to non-denturist? Since you have this ability to reach so much more people,
2: that's kind of been our mo. Now, you know this this event used to be kind of one of our our bigger fundraisers, and uh, also understanding this year it probably won't be as, as big of a profit center for our organization. We've just kind of switched our focus to all right, how do we how do we bring a little more inclusion and kind of cast a wider net over some of the folks that we want to be able to. Uh, to bring in whether it's just for a little bit of ce or whether we want to try to find the next group of technicians who say you know what i, I want to figure out how to take that next step and bring denturism to uh to my state so yeah. that's kind of the been a little bit of the, the shift in mission and uh realizing that you know we we just need to find uh you know other ways we can we can bring others into
0: the fold nice. yeah i think it's a good way for non denturists to really learn about the profession from the comfort of their own home.
2: Oh, absolutely. And that's part of the reason why also we we talk about that member rate and we've extended that to NADL members. So there's a a little bit of a uh, perk to being an NADL member as well.
1: Yeah, I'll say. That includes Elvis and I. So we got to check that out. I wish we were traveling somewhere, though, to be honest with you. But I think it's genius that you're doing it virtually.
2: Yeah, it, it would be nice. I think everybody's been cooped up and would love to get out and go somewhere. And Vegas is usually just gorgeous this time of year it's it's usually between like 75 and 85 degrees and dry and comfortable and by you know october and maine it's already getting pretty chilly so uh, we look forward to having that fall conference but you know things being what they are we're going to make the the best out of this and uh, i think there's going to be a lot of a lot of silver linings that come out of this whole whole process yep Nice.
0: So talk about some of the programs that you're putting on. What type of speakers? I mean, it's kind of hard to do like a hands-on, but... I'm sure you have some good things lined up.
2: You know, one of the things that this has allowed us to do is really capture a, a wide array of, of speakers from different locations, and we've had you know tons of, of uh, great talent that have they've come right to the front and been willing to uh, to jump on board and help us find a way to to make all this happen. You know, we've got some uh, really good uh, names from here in the U.S. You know, we've got Aaron Deutsch and Alexander Winchy and uh, Jeremiah Nas, a good friend of mine, and then. Uh, as we go over to the uh, the international side, we, we were able to get a hold of Paul McNally and Carl Brown and Joseph Rattoni uh, from Hungary. So we've got, uh, you know, a myriad of different topics that are all, you know, uh, in the uh, removable realm. And, and then the other thing that we we're putting together is kind of the first time we sort of uh, piggybacked off of the uh, Visions 21 meeting that Eric and I checked out last year was the, the roundtable mm-hmm. concept which Elvis you you have heard of, right? Yeah, I
0: love the round table. <laughs> yeah, that was great.
2: So for those of you who don't know, we got we got Elvis to mediate the uh, the round table so it doesn't get too rowdy and you know we've got uh, Couple of folks that come from uh, sort of uh, marketing, practice management sort of companies, and then uh, some of you might know Esther Swenning uh, from uh, Canada. She's uh, like rock star denturist, and she's been been awesome to talk with about this. But she's way into how to promote your business and, and marketing, and that's something that, that a lot of us uh, just haven't had a lot of focus on. You're a dental technician turned denturist, and then you know you know how to make dentures and, and do a great job, but then how how do you actually make money at doing it? And and, uh, and that's something that uh, I know for me and, and my wife, we've been sort of looking at is you know how do we present ourselves in the in the best light and recognize what your value is and uh, and all that good stuff. So we got a lot of great speakers and a lot of cool content, and I think it's going to resonate well with a, with a lot of different folks. Awesome. Yeah, and the
3: thing with uh, Esther is yeah, you know she just thinks things that we would never even dream of, you know, and she just think so outside the box. And and when she gives her talks, you
1: just think, well, how come I didn't think of that? But you know, <laughs> she was really good. And she's from Canada, you say? Yes.
2: Yeah, she's from British Columbia. She's up in uh, Prince George. Oh, it's about yeah. halfway to Alaska. I know where
1: that is. It's beautiful country. Nice. So do they have like a camera or something where they have a crew that goes in and sets up? and then they speak in front of that live? Or is this pre-recorded?
2: Some of the, the content is going to be pre-recorded and some of it's going to be live. Wow. And we're going to be using a, a couple of different formats to be able to record it. Most of it won't have studio production quality. You know, really, we're, we're just more focused on getting the uh, the speakers. I, I know one of them has already said that he's going to pre-record and, and have a, uh, a production crew go through and, and polish and edit it. So, oh. But, you know, really, we were more keen on just making sure people were able to deliver the message that they want to deliver and be able to, uh, you know, just put the the content out there.
0: A lot like this podcast.
1: (laughs) I was just going to say, Elvis, you and I can do something like that too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to it. When you reached out to me to host the panel, I was kind of worried that I really didn't know what I was going to be doing. But as we learn more about it, this idea of how you guys market your businesses even pre and post COVID. I find it interesting because it's kind of what labs have to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's just a little different veneer and panache that you go through, but a lot of the concepts are the same. And like one of the conversations I had with Esther was she talked about how she went to a lot of like Tony Robbins seminars and Tony Robbins does not talk dentistry. He's very high level, very broad and open concepts, but from, oftentimes from one business to the next, to the next, to the next, you know, there's so many parallels and concepts that apply across the board. You know, I'm sure there's a handful of exceptions where, you know, certain thoughts and and ideas aren't going to translate directly. But so yeah, she rattled off a whole bunch of different seminars she's been to and and they all you're always going to come away with something there. and, And a lot of I think, you know, what people are going to be able to pull from. And like Carl Brown, who's going to be one of the speakers, uh, you know, he and I have talked at length about how sometimes it's not just the course you go to. It's when we all get together and, and start talking about our own experiences and sharing sort of war stories, if you will. That's sometimes as valuable or more valuable than the content you took away from the CE. So, you know, that validation and that being able to, uh, you know, confirm that, Hey, that, yeah, that's what I do or oh that. Okay. That's what I need to start doing. So like Eric was saying, Esther, you know, is just brilliant. She'll come up with what seemed like so simple ideas. How come we haven't all been doing this all along, but you know, you need that innovator. You need that, that person who can like really uh, open that wrinkle in the fold and, and, you know, show it to the world.
1: Yeah. Definitely love that. Changing the subject a little bit. We talked to your daughter a couple months ago. How did you inspire her to become a denturist? Or was she always on your side watching you? And what was that like for you guys? Because my dad owned a lab. So I'm speaking from the daughter's perspective here.
3: Uh, Yeah, my dad also owned a lab. And um, it was his dream to become a denturist. And he had been fighting for it since the 50s. We're, you know, right uh, next door to British Columbia, which has had it since late 50s, early 60s. And so it was pretty common around here. And I think at the same podcast, you had Val and Sharon on there. And yeah. his dad was also back in the 50s with my dad going to the legislature and you know putting money into it. And anyway, make a long story short, when we did the Initiative 607, my kids were young and so when you're working in the lab and you have a we had a dentures clinic on Indian reservation you know you're working pretty much you know 18 hours a day plus we're doing all this stuff for the initiative so my only way to spend time with my kids was they just came along with for everything yep. so they kind of lived this deal <laughs> they they lived going to meetings and debates and going to Olympia, and so it was in all their lives. They just grew up with it, and then Melissa started to work in the lab, and then when the American Venturist School came online, you have to have a mentor, and that was me, and then so she could do all her classes online and do the rest of it with me
1: right here at the clinic. Worked out good. That's a great story. I love that. She was awesome. I love talking to her.
0: How much did you help her with her homework? (laughs) That's a good question. Yeah, uh, I'm not very good at
3: that online stuff, so I didn't help at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So she also mentioned in that interview, back when you guys were trying to get it recognized in Washington, that some of you spent some time in jail. Were you one of them? No, I never
3: went to jail. (laughs) Well, that's good yeah I mean it was it was threatened, and we spent a lot of time in courtrooms, but we never had to go to jail ourselves, but there was one or two I believe early on that had gone to jail and I believe way early on like back in the in the fifties there was a couple that may have
0: so when did you first open your practice? did you just take over from your dad?
3: I went to work with my dad in nineteen 19- 78 out of high school before that i worked with my brother he's got a crown and bridge lab after school i would do gold crowns wax up and cast and polish gold crowns and i never really liked crown and bridge i quit that app right out of high school tried my hand at house painting (laughs) and then when the weather got cold the dental lab warmth seemed like that'd be a good idea so i I went to work for my dad. He just had to let somebody go and learn the denture side, removables. And I just fell in love with it. I just I love doing, making dentures and everything about it. After that, we got to be really good friends with one of our accounts, a, a dentist. And we opened up three clinics under his name. And then we would just all three alternate working at them. Needless to say, he was not a popular among the the dental community around here, but he continued on and he eventually had to leave to go take care of his parents in Oregon. And so we bought the clinics from him and the state was after us all the time, trying to shut us down. So we sold them to a dentist and started a clinic on a Indian reservation, passed our own denturist law and the state was coming after us there also, but you know, they couldn't prevail because the tribal sovereignty prevented them from going after us. So then we worked with other denturists in the state to pass initiative six oh seven and worked together with clinics, and I eventually bought him out when he retired, which he only did for about a year. And then he came back to work for me pretty much up until his death here about 10 years ago. So that's yeah,
1: been a quite a journey. That's amazing. That's a great story. So where are you guys now? You're located in Washington? You said it was really smoky out there. I know that Podcast is probably going to be released in a couple weeks or so. But what's it like there right now? If I can kind of get off track a little bit,
3: we don't have any fires here, but Oregon and Eastern Washington, there's just fires everywhere, and the smoke is just all drifting up here. So it's like it's foggy. The sun is it's a beautiful day, but you, the sun you can barely see it through the smoke, and it's a nice bright red through the smoke, but it's not creating any heat or or anything. And it's just, it's kind of eerie wow. and it doesn't, you know, my eyes are watering and I, my throat
1: gets clogged up, but hopefully it's going to blow out of here at some point. Scary. My parents are in Oregon right now and they're saying the same thing. They Can't breathe. Yeah. Can't go outside. Super smoky. Just uh, not a good thing.
0: Yay. 2020, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's get out of this year. (laughs) So when you were working in the Indian Reservation, what was that like? It must have been quite an experience.
3: Yes, at some point, I don't remember the year exactly. It had to have been like 1984 or so. We went to our first National Venturist Association meeting in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was our first exposure to that many denturists there was denturists from oregon and idaho where they were all regulated and we mm-hmm. weren't in washington yet and we met some gentlemen from mississippi and oklahoma and they had a association the indian tribal denturist association in oklahoma and i believe some in mississippi had passed laws that the denturist law they had created a denturist test clinical and written. So what we did, we got together with them and they came out here on their own dime. And that's the thing about Venturis, so they will help just about anybody and never ask for you know any compensation for it. Yeah. They came out, they gave us our tests and we passed the law through the Nooksack Indian Tribal Council and they owned the clinic and we managed it for them. And so mm-hmm. then we were completely. You know, the state could not do anything, and we were about ten miles out of town. But we were absolutely swamped. Bo- both of us had at least thirty case pans in front of us at all times, and wow. the patients were just. I mean, it it was busy, and it was it was wonderful. It was it was so. Fun. I mean, we were getting there at five in the morning and leaving to go home. I went home to eat dinner with the kids. And then when they went to bed, I went back to work. But to see my dad's face, he was finally a denturist. Mm -hmm. It was really something he He was so happy. So were
0: you only able to see people on the reservation or from people outside the reservation could go into the reservation? No, they could go into the reservation. Everybody was basically welcome. Yes. And did you work with a dentist there? Or how did you handle extractions and things like that?
3: We had some dentists that, of course, we had a lab, so we had a lot of accounts. And Mm -hmm. we had to tell them goodbye when we did all of this and some of them said good for you you know send us whatever you need done and we'll do it and we had 10 15 different dentists around the county that would do you know we would just say evaluate for extractions and you know they would just take that patient and do whatever they needed to do and
1: then send them back to us and it worked out great that's awesome so what about now? How's your business doing now? Are you guys after COVID and everything? Are you guys status quo? Are you growing? What's it look like now for you? Yeah, when we closed
3: for two months and we came back to work and it was a little slow getting going. And of course, you just don't know, you know, don't worry to be scared or to be happy or to yeah. you know what to do. So we just plodded along and, and like last month was, it was our best month. Probably ever. I've got four clinics, three of the clinics I have dentists that work right in the clinic with us. And I've got three denturists and myself that work my son, my daughter, and another denturist in another clinic. And I kind of go between them all wherever I'm needed. So it's been coming back, it's been good. I was surprised. I thought, you know, nobody's gonna come in and do this. This is the most dangerous thing ever. We're and what are we? Uh, I was thinking, what are we doing? We're here, we are elbow deep in saliva all day. I mean, like,
0: <laughs>
3: I think the reason that it's been so well
1: received is, you know, we take so many precautions that yeah. I, I think we're pretty safe. I've seen a couple reports about our industry and dentists and the whole thing, and saying how much that we are doing to keep each other safe and secure and. Everything that we've always done, basically, you know, now it's just up another notch. But we've always been, I I feel, a really safe industry as well. Yeah, definitely.
2: Exactly. I was actually on our uh, task force to uh, get dentistry reopened here in Maine. Um, our governor had elected to follow CDC guidelines, and that was pretty much to stick to strictly emergency uh, care. We had a, dentist, a couple of hygienists and myself as a denturist kind of worked together as a coalition to put forth a proposal to the governor, and, and it was well-received. And we reopened after, I think it was just a smidge over six weeks of being closed. So and we've been meeting after the fact, to sort of monitor our, you know, additional precautions, and um, you know, and I've even heard some arguments from some very prominent folks in dentistry that say that you know, universal precaution all on its own is more than likely sufficient if indeed you're you're following that PT. Yeah. But certainly, you know, we want to. Put the uh, the interests of the public first and foremost, and I think you know one of the questions that they ask a lot is, you know, how do you guys feel this is too restrictive or too limiting? And I said we're not in a in a field where we're creating a lot of aerosol. It's not like uh, being at the hygiene chair or the dentist and you're drilling decay or doing endo or whatever. You know, we're we're in a spot where essentially the you know what we're doing. Sort of qualifies as an examination level. Yeah. Um, even though yes, we're dealing with saliva, we're taking the appliance out. It can be disinfected on the spot. You know, we're not creating that active aerosol. So dentists are kind of at an advantage in, in that respect. The other thing that I have a difficult time relating with sometimes is. It's just my wife and I, so we have control over the entire staff because it's just us. Uh, A lot of outfits that have larger staff—you've got a couple of assistants, hygienists, three people at the front end managing, you know, things coming in. There's a lot more bodies to corral. Whereas in my office, as a general rule, there's three people in the office at any given time—myself, my wife, and the patient. In January and February, we had uncharacteristically busy months, and we thought, "My gosh, if it keeps up like this, you know, we'll." Man, maybe we'll be able to retire soon. And then, uh, and then of course, in March, April, and May. Uh, you, know,
0: you jinxed it, Pat. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
2: Sorry, my fault. No, no, no. I, I say that in jest. But uh, we you know, we shaped up for a really, really good first couple of months. And then we had a complete stop. We were kind of worried. We weren't sure what the consumer confidence level would be. You know, how is this going to play out? But I think the the best way I can put it is, is oftentimes, I hate to profile because profile is wrong, but many times your denture wearer is someone who has sort of put things off. They tend to put things to the back burner and then react, you know, after they realize there's an issue or a problem. Not everybody, but you know, there's lots of them that do. And the, the way that I, I coin it to people is... That. Yeah. Monday is always kind of a busy sort of repair day. And every day, a certain number of dentures break. And then on Monday, you had three days worth of denture breaks. If it's a holiday weekend, you got four of them. And boy, you're going to be even busier on that Tuesday. And then we had six to eight weeks of broken dentures or people who have been putting it off and realize, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if this gets worse? So we had lots of people who all of a sudden had a sense of emergency and I need care and I need it now. And most of them were really, really great in understanding about how we wanted to sort of control the pace and, and, you know, slow things down. We couldn't just fill up the waiting room with people. And, you know, I think that it's brought a lot of people who realize how important their care is and now they're not willing to put that off anymore. So if it keeps up this way, then, you know, I think it'll 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 all work out. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's always I think the hardest thing through this whole pandemic has been the uncertainty, the unknown. So we're figuring it out as we go along.
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah, I know when we opened back up, it was definitely a reline city there for a couple of weeks. We were doing relines nonstop.
2: Absolutely.
3: Yeah. And when this whole thing started, it was interesting. Our governor you know, made his list of things he wanted to close, and one of those being dental. And Denturist wasn't on the list. There wasn't any sort of guidance or anything to do anything for us. And so when we checked into it further, we were told by the state, your profession can do whatever you feel is the safest for you. So Interesting. At the beginning of all this, I don't know what, and they're closing everything. It's kind of scary. So I just closed everything, and we were seeing emergencies. Dennis would see an emergency, and we were classifying, like, repairs as an emergency. So mm-hmm. some of the dentures were, were saw a few repairs. So we weren't completely shut down, but I just thought it was interesting that to kind of back up we're. Patrick was saying that we're in a unique situation, denturists are, because we're not creating the aerosol. and True. And the government even kind of backed that up, too, by not closing us down. So I just thought that was an
0: interesting part of all of this. Didn't the National Denturist Association come out with a statement during all this? I kind of remember seeing something that you guys recommended following ada or something like that
3: yeah patrick do you remember we vacillated back and forth um but i i do know that we came back that everyone should follow the cdc and the ada recommendations
2: Yeah, I think it's it's sort of like in the the political realm where, you know, there's a difference between kind of what's going on on a national level and then certain states' rights. Um, We're in such a unique place where even though there's only six states that uh, denturism is legislated, Every state's kind of got its own sort of way that it goes about doing things. So, you know, we, we kind of put out a blanket statement to, you know, hey, follow the state and ADA guidelines, you know, kind of look to that as our umbrella for guidance for protecting the public and safe operations. So that was kind of where we left that. But, you know, also going back to, I think, at the beginning, you know, of course, we were all scouring the Internet looking for as much as we could. Yeah. And at the time, I remember seeing a bunch of different articles talking about how dentistry. Dental labs, all of, uh, you know, what we're involved in were the highest risk occupations for for covid and you know just simply because of the contact with saliva so we're all going whoa 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 and then um, then you realize wait a minute the level of care and and control and and uh, you know how we're looking at things and taking care of taking precautions and taking care of things you know it, it's still pretty uh pretty difficult to to transfer in the office setting you know when you go to the grocery store and you see uh, younger folks who probably never had any experience wearing a mask or even just the general public they're constantly fidgeting and playing with with it, you know, I get to a point where I forget that I have a mask on my face because I'm so used to having it on you know, all the time. So, uh, you know, it kind of makes you cringe just a little bit when you see people, you know, not using uh, PPE properly or uh, or in the way that it was intended. But, you know, I guess, you know, our hearts are in the right place. So the last question to that I asked when we were on our COVID reopening task force meeting last month uh, was, if anybody on the the panel had heard of a dental office being a vector for uh, for COVID, and I've seen a number of stories where someone on the staff contracted COVID, but it, it wasn't passed on because of you know universal and, and additional precautions. Yeah. So you know everyone pretty much said that you know no one's aware of where you know a dental office or a dental lab has been seen as a you know sort of a vector like like some of the bars and restaurants and other types of operations uh, have been. Yeah. That's a good thing. We, we're in a good place taking the precautions uh, that we do and and uh, and protecting people, so we can feel good about that.
1: Yeah. The way they make it sound is like, you know, if one person has it, you know, 50 people around them get it. We actually had a, a couple cases at Night Dental, which is where I work, and we got them out immediately and sent them, you know, home for two weeks and then had to make sure everybody around them went and got tested as well. And nobody got it. But the one person, you know, when you hear about the news and everything, you think that it just spreads like wildfire but, um, you know, we were fortunate where um, we stopped it right in its tracks and haven't had a case since. So thank God. One, It was actually my sister. <laughs> She's the one that got it. So,
2: yeah, I, I think it it really just depends on the environment and the the level of awareness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know the right before we actually closed, sort of the feelings were getting heightened that, oh, man, maybe we should close. Maybe we shouldn't. So this is even before, uh, you know, the governor had, had asked for uh, you know, all non-essential businesses to close. And, you know, we had the very first patient of the day came in and just an older gentleman who, uh, he wasn't actually ill, but he sort of had a, a, just a chronic cough, you know, he'd get a tickle in his throat and he just was very haphazard about it. And we were like, you know, Hey, we need you to, cover your cough. And we need you to, you know, you just realize there's some people that, that aren't going to have the same level of awareness. And we realize like, wait a minute, all right, we've got to make sure, you know, how, how can you control, and especially the more people you funnel into an area, how are you going to control who touches what? And, and you know, we, we've seen some very well-educated people come in who you, you just assume that they know better. And you realize, I mean, hey, anybody can very innocently touch their face, touch their nose. You know, uh, we had a gentleman in on washing his hands and then as soon as he comes back out of the bathroom the first thing he does he pulls his mask down grabs a tissue blows his nose throws it away (laughs) and then puts his mask back on you know so you know you're like hey why don't you you get a hand sanitizer and well why i just washed my hands like yeah you did but you you washed it in something else afterwards
1: (laughs) so
2: so yeah it's been even for ourselves you know just making sure we're looking at you know any and all ways that it could could transfer and transmit and and just a heightened sense of awareness and uh uh, actually, I was talking with Paul McNally in, in Ireland, and he was talking about how they've done so well, then they've actually gone and, and reopened. They keep kind of working ahead of schedule what their reopening plan is, because things are going so well. And then all of a sudden, they went from having a handful of cases of, you know, a week, to all of a sudden, they had like 100 plus in a day. Wow. And there was like a meatpacking plant that it, it ran through. The scary thing was, I think it was like more than half of the folks that tested positive. They just did a mass testing. I said, everyone go get a test, get, you know, get tested. And like more than half of the people that were tested, uh, showed zero symptoms. So, you know, that's the, that's the hard part is, you know, someone could be walking around, no fever, no cough, no nothing, but they very innocently carry it along and and pass it along to others that will show symptoms and and may be uh, more adversely affected by it. So just one of those things, you know, as we figure out, I think there's the juries maybe still out on, you know, what elevates the, uh, the rate of transmission and, and, uh, what, environments it it proliferates in but evidently it's not the dental office so
0: yeah good for us we've had three offices in our area have somebody come down with covid and i always find out about it when a driver comes back to tell me hey do you hear such and such at dr such and such's office they have covid and i'm like what so i always call the office to find out but it's never the dentist it's never the assistant it's never a hygienist. It's a front office person every time.
2: Yeah. And I've heard in most cases, it's the the person has gotten it from outside of the office. You know, another family member, they were at a family function or went to a restaurant or a bar and then... You know, because everybody that walks through the building is get a touchless thermometer check and, you know, checking for symptoms, they're catching it when they come back to work on Monday. So they're yeah. finding it before it really gets the opportunity to spread around the office. So that's that's at least been the uh, the most common theme. Um, maybe I could be wrong. It could be offices where it's spreading like wildfire, but we just, knock on wood, haven't heard of them yet.
0: Yeah. Sure. What's next for the uh, National Association of Denturists? I mean, other than the big meeting, what are you guys working on? Any new states you're looking at?
3: We've been working
0: on one
3: thing that's been a real eye-opener is we've been working on our bylaws, but I think we've got those pretty well sealed in now. We've also been working on having the best denturist law. So if there is another state that wants to go to the legislature or go through the initiative process, they have a denturist law that is the perfect one and will... You know, grant them everything that they need because all the states, you know, you go in there with the best you can do, and then afterwards trying to run through the laws, and you know, sometimes you just don't have it right. But I think we've got that pretty pretty dialed in now. Probably one of the states is uh, Michigan has a law on the books where professions can get a license for a year and and operate. And then they can go to the legislature and they have that year to try to get a bill passed where they can be regulated. Mm-hmm.
2: Basically like a license portability uh, allowance where you can come with a license from another state and work underneath that outside license for up to a year. So, you know, we're looking at it as, as potentially a uh, sort of an opening to allow Someone to come in. But, you know, in that meantime, you know, in that year, you know, there would have to be some other action taken. But going back to, you know, what states, you know, would we like to go to? We'd love to go to all of them. But it's a matter of finding uh, the bodies or the grassroots effort, if you will. The NDA has tried to go to a couple of states in the past and uh, forward, you know, either legislation or an initiative. And, you know, you, you've got to have enough bodies on the ground who are, you know, supporting that. So that's part of what we're really looking to do here. You know, we, we've worked on uh, trying to get to events, you know, especially in the dental lab community. Um, you know, that's where we're born from is a lot of dental lab technicians say, man, I'm tired of getting, uh, questionable uh, impressions or bites and having to, you know, being told you got to make it work. I know I can do this. I, I know I'm better than this. And, you know, who want to go to that next level? Like Eric talks about his dad just wanting to be able to work directly with the patient, be a denturist. So really our, our goal you know, when we all sort of when Eric and Val and I came into the NDA was five or six years ago, You know, that was kind of our new mission statement is we need to we need to find that next state where we can start to open this profession up and and then the next and the next and the next. And we firmly believe that, you know, once we do get the next right state to, to open up. You know, it'll be an inspiration for for others. And we'll start to see that groundswell of of support and uh, and people come together around the idea. And I think the double edged sword is there's a lot of there's a lot of technicians and dental labs that are actually doing really, really well right now. You know, and it's hard to hard to say, gosh, do I want to take risk or make an investment in, in going back to school when I'm, I'm doing so well right now and and uh, and flourishing, and then uh, you know some of the folks that have expressed a lot of interest, you know, really excited about it, but they're maybe not, they, they just don't have a lot of peers around them, you know, you, it's hard to run an initiative. With, with one person trying to pull the wagon. You really need about, you know, about a dozen people to, yeah. to really rally around the concept and the idea and to carry each other. And the thing, uh, you know, we've told a couple of folks is when you start on an endeavor like this, plan on it being a probably a two to five year project you know if, 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 when you've got armed load of lobbyists uh, with you you know it still takes years to navigate that system and that political landscape and yeah. so that's kind of what we're we're really trying to do which is uh, you know amongst us we've always you know known how great of a profession this is and uh, you know w- what we're able to do and we know there's there's some folks out there that are aware of it and, and would love to do it and we we commonly hear people ask when are you bringing denturism to my state <laughs> and you know we have to wow. find uh you know the best way to say, well, when can we help you bring denturism to your state? So that's kind of where we're at. We're almost on a little bit of a uh, information session to, you know, let a lot of people know who we are, what we do, and that you can do it too.
1: Awesome. I love that. You sound so inspired when you talk about that. You've done so much for denturism, both of you. So it's amazing. We're trying. Yep.
0: Well, you know, we love it here on the podcast. We love what you guys are doing and we love the opportunity that you provide for dental technicians. You know, I mean, it's that whole next step that I think a lot of people should be looking at. Yeah,
2: I think we face a lot of the same obstacles and, uh, you know, and the the wants and the, the hopes and, and dreams and all that stuff. I think, oh, how shall I say, you know, there's uh, enough of us who want to do better, but I think, you know, you hear a lot of technicians Indenturous alike lament that you know we're in sort of aging industries, and yeah. uh, you know one of the issues that we have is that we're so busy working we don't have like a national like dairy council or whatever to sell our profession, you know that sort of thing. And yeah. seldom does, does a young uh, person wake up, their junior or senior high school, and decide, you know what, I want to make teeth. That's what I want to do, uh, or uh, I want to go put <laughs> my hands in someone's mouth. Yeah. My grandfather showed me a video once upon a time, and it was a comedian and. Canada, who was cracking a joke about his, his local denturist. And, and I said, Well, geez, it really wasn't that funny. And he's like, It's not that it was funny. He said, It's the fact that it's so well known in Canada. This guy could get up on a national stage, tell a joke about a denturist, and everybody knew what it was. You tell somebody <laughs> that you're a dentist, and they're like, What's that? You know, yeah. so we've got a long way to go to get the general public and, and everyone to recognize who we are, what we do, what the difference is between a dentist dental technician and a denturist and everybody's got a role to play and and i tend to think that i'm a little biased but i, I tend to think that we're kind of the little bit of the best of both worlds, you know in, in a lot of cases
1: definitely
0: well i'm sure there's just as many people saying what's a dental technician that there are saying what's a denturist yeah
1: true you, you got it yeah funny.
3: yeah nobody knows uh, that crown in their mouth the, it was made by a dental technician somewhere mm-hmm. True to that.
2: We just got to do a, a better job of getting our professions out there, and uh, and I think uh, you know you see a lot of people that will you know share the the mantra that you know there's a lot of merit to going to you know like a trade school, you know going to a you know one or a two year program, and, and you can find certain professions where you can make a great living. You don't have to go to a four year or a master's level program, but you know for a lot of a lot of young people, if they don't know about it, you know they're just you know if you don't know, you're not going to go. You know I'm not sure how we go about putting ourselves out there and getting there's a there's a lot of great young minds and creative minds that you know would, would flourish in our industries but just getting that know-how and that notoriety out there is going to be i think our next challenge
0: yeah. well i think a good way would be for people to sign up for your guys's virtual event it will give you a good taste of what denturism is all about and like i mentioned from the comfort of your own home
3: great yes for sure absolutely
0: So what are those dates again, and how can people find the event?
3: It is October 16th and 17th. It's a Friday and a Saturday, and you can go to the National Denturist Association website and go to events, and it has everything on there. Right now, you could register. If you want to become a member of the National Denturist Association, it's $170 a year then you would get your virtual meeting for $149.
0: Yeah. And if you're an NADL member, you still get that member discount, right? Yes. Or if you're an
3: NADL member, NADL member, you still get the member discount, which I think is a great, great, great thing to do. Awesome.
0: I recommend anyone out there that's making removable, you know, dentures or partials to take a look at this event and see if it's even an interest of yours. You can excel so much in this profession.
3: Yeah. Crown and bridge technicians could easily be trained as an enturist because you already have the basics and and be an easy way to transition, even if you were doing Crown and Bridge.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: And I appreciate you guys uh, giving us the opportunity to make the plug. We're uh, going through a very unique time and a very uh, interesting transition. And, uh, you know, we appreciate we've, we've actually had really nice outpouring of support from our vendors. And even some of the technicians that have spoken at our events in, in the past have, have become members and wanted to, you know, figure out how they can be involved. And they've been really integral. You know, a lot of people have remarked that in the past we've had some pretty noteworthy uh, high level technicians you know, provide some pretty top-notch continuing education. You know, we appreciate uh, anybody who is willing to support us in, in in any capacity, and hopefully, you know, we can give you a, a good bang for your buck here and some some really great great education and the opportunity to come together and and meet some folks. Uh, I think when when people see the uh, the virtual um, vendor format with the the tables that you can sign into and get a chance to uh, you know to talk with uh, with folks, uh, you know, it's it's maybe not gonna be as good as being uh in Vegas, you know, at the show in person, but um, you know, maybe the the next best thing. So
1: well good luck with it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'll definitely be there. Check it out for
3: sure. Thanks, Barb. Patrick brought me to this realization that why haven't we had a relationship with NADL and, you know, dental lab associations and so I thought about it and I think when we ran our initiative, there was some bad blood because some of the the big labs, you know, did things against it and put money against it and got to thinking about it. I'm like, you know, we have a better relationship with dental associations. I I thought we've just got to start getting a better relationship with the dental lab community and uh, have them get to know us better. And so I think
1: this is all just going to work out great. Yeah, I definitely see you guys making steps in that forward direction. It's been really great to see.
2: My sort of uh, perspective has always been there's room for everybody at the table. There's a, a role that everybody plays. And and I think sometimes people get scared. I know, you know, one of the local labs here thought that, man, dentists are going to, they're going to run me out of business. And then they realize, wait a minute, you know, it's It actually hasn't impacted me at all. In fact, I'm doing as good as I've ever done. And one of the things that the dentures profession has uh, really done is allowed a lot of the dentists who just don't want to do dentures anymore – to just get rid of it, yeah, you know, they don't touch it, they don't, they don't deal with it, and they realize that, you know, we can't do restorative work. So, guess what? We're gonna send those patients back. You know, we we want them to maintain what they've got. In a way, you know, as it's become more specialized, there's become a, a more uh, prominent place for everybody at the table. People are doing what they they want to do and what they're supposed to be doing, and uh, the ecosystem has a way of sorting itself out.
0: Sure does. Let's remember it's all for the benefit of the patient, and that's what we all do it for. Yeah. You're here. Amen, brother. Well, Eric, Patrick, we appreciate it. We always enjoy the conversations with denturism. And we thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us.
3: Thank you guys very
1: much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe.
0: Yeah. Be safe and uh, good luck with the program. And we'll see you there. Okay. Thank you. Sounds great, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Hey,
1: Elvis. How is that Form Labs? form 3b printer going for you guys
0: it's still going really good we are still cranking out models and custom trays on it we love the ease of use with the resin being loaded by cartridge and the free software that nest and ed supports instantly it's pretty amazing
1: so you've been talking about it for at least two weeks now and i think night dental needs to get some do you think that it could hold up with our workload We've got probably two to 300 scans a day, and we're printing a lot of models.
0: Wow, that many scans? That's pretty amazing. We don't even come close to that. But I feel that if you had enough of these printers, they could probably handle that high production. All right. But just a few weeks ago, they started shipping out
1: their Form 3L printer. Wow, so they've got a 3B, and now they've got a 3L? What do you know about it? Tell me about it.
0: Well, with even a larger build plate... You can print a lot more models or surgical guides every day. And while the 3B that I have only has one laser, the Form 3L has two, so you can be even more productive. Sweet. And I was talking to somebody at Form Labs, and they are getting ready to come out with an orthodontic model resin that's going to significantly increase the print speed for those labs looking to get into clear aligners.
1: Wow. Wow. All right, so that sounds like uh, what my lab is looking for. Can you go over with me one more time the website?
0: Yeah, it's super easy. It's formlabs.com forward slash VFTB, like voices from the bench. Well, this will take you to a page where you can order a sample of something printed on a Formlabs Form 3B printer for free. This way you can hold the proof in your hand and see how amazing this printer is.
1: All right, I'm going to do it. Thank you for your support of the podcast, Form Labs. We appreciate you. A big thanks to Eric and Patrick for coming on the podcast to talk about all of the great things they are doing for denturism. I tell you what, I've been super impressed by what they're doing. I know you say it's one of our favorites in the industry, and it really is. It's remarkable. So while we would prefer, I know we would, to be headed to Vegas for their conference, is a wonderful chance for the dental technician out there that might be interested in becoming a denturist to get a taste of what their industry is like. Plus, they have a lot of past podcast guests like Jeremiah Noss, James Angeloni, and Alexander Wunsche. Head over to the nationaldenturist.com or see the link on this episode's show notes to learn more. Or to get registered.
0: And like I mentioned, I will be hosting a panel about Genturists that are getting back from being shut down and talk about how they can build up their practices.
1: How did you get into that? That's pretty cool. Well, it's just they reached out to
0: me from the podcast to see if I'd want to host a panel of something I know nothing about. So this will be interesting. I think you'll do a
1: great job. I know how you roll.
0: And what's odd is you'll actually be able to see me in all my mustache glory. Yeah. And hear me non-edited. This is going to be interesting. That might
1: be scary. Well, better you than me. (laughs) Well, good luck. Yeah, definitely
0: check out this amazing organization's event. It looks like a good two days of good content. And remember, like they mentioned, if you're an NADL member, you get the same discount as if you're a member of the National Denturist Association. So it's a really good chance for technicians to check out this part of our industry. And you don't have travel and spend a whole week somewhere. Fantastic. Comfort of your own home and check it out. All right. I'm there. Excellent. All right, everybody. That's all we got for you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.
1: Spit it out, Barbara. <laughs> Tuned in.